I am unashamed. What about you? Well, we had an interesting morning. As soon as we pulled up to the lair to go duck hunting, the lights went out. <laughs> no power. So it was funny because Phil put his face paint on and it looked like he had put it on in the dark. <laughs> well, some woman told me that, that when I said, well, even women, when they just when the, when the lights go out, and when I say there's not a not not a speck of light, so I'm just feeling around doing the best I could, you know, because somebody said it looks splotchy all over my face, miss points. But some woman said the women can go down the road <laughs> and put that Maybelline on, and you never know. The but woman I, was Shonda Pierce. She was on our first oh. last podcast, Chase, which we had to move. We were supposed to do the podcast out here, mm-hmm. but because the power was out, we had to move it to the duck call room. But so I got to you, hunt. You got to hunt longer because we had Shonda Pierce and, coming over. I'm just actually, thinking to put Maybelline on with it black dark. It's, it's a pretty good little task. I've I think she, I'm going with her. It's more impressive that you can put that on driving down the highway. Yeah. Which they, I'm they not got, they sure. Got the, I'm not sure we're a fan of that. But. Well, they got the muscle memory down. Is that illegal? <laughs> I'm sure it is. Uh, yeah, it probably is. Everything mm-hmm. else is. Yeah. From my conversation well, with Shonda Pierce, I don't think she cares. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> if it's legal. Or I mean, look, it's not as bad as the cell phones. Just. You know, that's the worst. Tying up the highways. The distraction. I mean, every time I'm at a red light, now just about, some, if there's more than five cars in front of me. Somebody's on the phone. One of the five, they're not going to move until the horn goes off. Yeah. And I'm a horn blower. <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons, another good reason since you brought it up, not to have one, period. <laughs> yeah. So nothing will get you fooling with that thing. True. Be something else. So, uh, but we had a guest today. It was nice. We we took uh, an LSU football player. I guess he he's returned as a football player. He was going to train. He was on, He never really left, but he he yeah. did announce he was going to leave, and then within that two days, nice. yeah, he stayed. I'm really not. You asked me to share how that happened. I'm really not sure. Uh, a buddy of mine said, "Hey, if I come hunting and uh, bring Miles Brennan." Are we in? And I just said yes. So about a week later, they showed up this morning. Yeah, that was that was the contact. Well, here's what was more interesting. So so our buddy Jenkins, he he had reached out. He didn't know Miles, but when Miles was kind of catching some grief and some flack about leaving LSU, and a lot of people, you know, they get upset about such issues. Where it's just young men, they're trying to do the best for themselves. I mean, I, I never put too much stock into it, but anyway, he just sent him an encouraging note on Instagram. Just said, "Hey, just want you to know, there's more important things than football. Keep your head up. You know, don't worry about it. You're going to have naysayers and persecutors the rest of your life." Well, it impacted him so much, he reached back out, and they became, you know, a, developed a friendship, which I have many people like online like that, and then. The conversation turned to knowing us, and it was like, hey, you know, would you like to go hunting with those guys? I could reach out and see, because normally that's a no, but, you know, if you're, I mean, if you're quarterback on, at LSU, it helps your chances to come. When I first got into social media, I actually, you know, would do that. But, you know, after a while, I realized that you you may think you're talking to Jerry in Toledo, <laughs> and it's actually Cecilia and. <laughs> 
Colorado. So uh, I don't know. I got off that, but I'll tell you this: <laughs> one of one of my good friends today, Bubba Watson. That's how I met him. Yeah, I've got he, uh, he, jo- Johnny Joey Jones, the guy that's a. Uh, all over Fox News now. He's a double amputee, amazing person. I met him on Twitter. I mean, yeah. we're friends now. So, Well, it's a long shot now, but back in the day, I mean, I remember Bubba sent me a, because I was following him, and I didn't realize at that time, if you're following them and they're following you, they can send you DM. A, a private, or what is direct it? Direct message. Or direct message, yeah. And it's as private as I guess private can be all day. <laughs> but who knows who's reading it. But he said, Hey, I'm coming down through there. I'm gonna stop in at Duck Commander in a couple of days. And so I was like, Well, I'm not gonna be there because I had an event somewhere. He said, Okay, well I'll see you when you get back. I thought that was weird. <laughs> I mean, I really didn't think it was him. He had a check mark, but I thought that's the craziest thing I ever heard. Yeah. So I flew in and uh, swung by Duck Commander, not not to see him, but just check in. Yeah, check in, whatever. I've been gone. And so when I walked into the warehouse section, they were organizing the Harlem Shake. Oh, yeah. I was working and, there then. I remember that. that? <laughs> now this uh, is why you tune in to Unashamed to hear Jace explain to was a, what the Harlem Shake. There was a dance. Harlem Shake. The there Harlem was a Shake. dance that caught fire a few years ago. Started in Harlem, apparently. And so what everybody would do is every business group of friends, people that wanted to get involved. It was called an internet sensation, Dad. They would start playing a song. Called the Harlem Shake. Yeah, with like one guy moving, and then when they cut, it would be a crowd of people doing crazy things. When they came back, it would be like normal, but like we're all in this room, and it would cut, and Jace does starts in, then we would cut and come back, and this room would be full of people dressed in, in crazy ways. And so I see this. Did, did they have the half naked women with the boobs? <laughs> well, this is a duck commander. These are friends and family. That I just were, want to know. No, this is us. This yeah. this was, was our not, people. Was but no right in the middle was most dancing I see come by on the television screen from time no. to time. I don't use the internet. No, we had no nudity to my knowledge. That's good. And uh, no so boobs. and Bubba and his caddy were right in the middle, like as the ringleaders organized, which was hilarious. But since I come in late. Because the big thing was at this point, it was like, first of all, Duck, Duck Commander Crew, Duck Dynasty, because the show's on, is doing Harlem Shake. But then it was like, why is Bubba Watson right in the middle of it? I mean, that is what made it that, pretty amazing. But, and I'll tell you this. Since I was late, they said, we don't have a spot for you. But they were kidding. Because I didn't know what we were doing. I was like you that day. I said, what is this now? That's what I'd have been saying. And so they said, we all start dancing. I, I was think like, I've entered the wrong room. Excuse me. <laughs> and they said, we all do different things. I said, well, let me go get my gun. And I saw Bubba kind of perk up. I was like, relax. We all have guns here. <laughs> and I went and got my gun, and I was the only person, if you want to find that somewhere in computer land, that never moved. In fact, I just stood there with a gun while they were all dancing. And they thought I was photoshopped in because I never blinked. Which was funny because everybody else in the room was moving except for you. I was just standing there. So, by the way, I'm sure you can put in Duck Commander Harlem Shake, and I'm sure it's still out there somewhere. In the- I don't know. If you want to do that to yourself. Check that, I, check I would that say We'll get our crack staff on One that. to ten, I would give it our effort. 
I think it was at least a six. I never was a dancer. (laughs) Well, that's why I didn't dance. I'm a dancer, but not in front of people. There's a slight dance when you get up in with these fire ink beds. Yep. There's a certain amount of dancing there. I had one today. That's more of a trying to get them off of you, Dad. I had a, I had a dance. Your feet, get light, your feet get light on the ground because you're trying to get away from them. I had a dance today that I thought people saw. Because after you left, we had two ducks. Phil left. And I had uh, Jenkins and, and Brennan and Stone. And we moved. And we shot three, which gave us a grand total of five, which sounds not very good, but. Biggest hunt of the week. That's been the biggest hunt in about six days. (laughs) Times are hard. Times are hard in the duck blind. But I went to retrieve one of the wood ducks, and uh, I'll tell you about this, this Brendan, because people are probably wondering. You know, I hadn't met him, didn't know. I thought he was a fine gentleman, very courteous. Well spoken, very impressive uh, young man. Yeah, he, he I, I was really impressed. He spent the night at our house last night, so he came in. We had dinner, and w- what I was impressed, Jace, was like I, my little grandkids, you know, especially my grandson, loves sports. And so when I told him that the LSU quarterback was coming, I shouldn't have told him so early because then he came in every 30 minutes asking me, Is he here yet? Is he here yet? So when he got there, he just kept hanging around Miles. So he asked Miles if he'd go out and shoot some hoops with him. And Miles said, well, Corbin, it's not my game, but I'll do anything with you. And yeah. he goes out and they shoot some hoops. We call him back in. Willie comes over for a visit. And then and then Corbin comes in. He's got a football. He's just flipping it. He's not saying anything. Yeah. He's just standing there tossing it up and down. And Miles said, you want to go through that football, Corbin? He said, yeah, yeah, let's go. But I was impressed that, like, my grandkids, you know, kids kind of get, hey, get out of here. But he noticed him and like said, "Hey, I'll do something." You know that, he, that was impressive. I mean, he's a hunter. That's what Drew does. He had watched our videos before because I was like, "How'd you, how'd you hear about us?" You know. But uh, I in some the, circles were kind of a big the, deal. So yeah. So the most impressive thing I saw though is a wood duck skirted me because I was look. They were coming from where the sun was, so it was it was tough. And so I, unlike other people that hunt with us, stay in my lane. I don't shoot ducks in front of someone else. I just stay in my lane. And so I thought, uh, why why would Zach? Zach, who's a part of this guest and the producer, (laughs) is actually calling me while we're doing the podcast. Wouldn't he be knowing that we were doing a podcast? So I sent him a text that that said, I'm on my way. (laughs) (laughs) So... uh, you so should have said, where's my money? That's what duck, I always ask. This wood duck comes by whistling through the woods. Him and Jenkins lit boom, boom, boom. And they, it was long shot. And just the wood duck stopped flying. I've seen this shot a few times in my life. Everything stopped. Wings out. And it just started twirling down. Headshot. Headshot. Stone dead. So I said, Brennan, I'm feeling a lot better about the future of LSU football. You were seeing footballs come out of that guy going in every direction. But you know what he said? He said, well, Jenkins shot with me in there. And I thought, Mm -hmm. team man. Team, team, team game, team game. So then I proceeded. Always, always, Pat, you, 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 your tackles and your the center (laughs) and the guards, make sure you. Yeah. Be good with them because they're the one that's protecting your body. Yeah. Buy them Christmas presents. Oh, Get them yeah. fishing baits, oh, whatever. You betcha. 
So then I started to grill him about the state of football. But, you know, I realized something after he answered every question pretty much the same same way. <laughs> he, <laughs> he hasn't met, met, hasn't met, hasn't met any coaches. <laughs> uh, he has no friends on the team because they're all gone. Yep. He doesn't know anybody. <laughs> That's right. And uh, I said, well, what, what are you even doing here after all the – he's like, well, you know, Coach Kelly called me and said, I'd love for you to stay here, be our quarterback, you know. He said, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought, okay, that's it. That's all you got. He's like, that's all I got. <laughs> so well, it was interesting because he, he, he grew up, he was born in New Orleans, but he grew up like in Bay St. Louis, which is southern Mississippi, but still there's a ton of LSU fans because you're not very far from New Orleans. And uh, I said, well, did you like LSU growing up? He said, I hated LSU. <laughs> I was like, really? He said, man, all my friends were LSU fans. And it just kind of, you know, he said, they kind of had a way about him. They turned me off, you know, so he was an Ole Miss fan. Yeah. So he said Ole Miss was recruiting him, you know, and, and his brother had gone to Ole Miss. And he said, but, you know, he winds up at LSU. And he's like, you know, now I get it. You know, he said, I get it why everybody loves it so much because yeah. he was here. We actually had a similar conversation because I was telling something about how me and Tebow are not, you wouldn't think we would be friends, but I was like, because of our faith and we, we travel in the same circles. I when said, you're well, both weird. Yeah. We actually got to be good friends. And I said, but he hates LSU. Cause he's <laughs> like, I mean, Jace, these people, they, they are lit up before the sun is up. I was like, Oh, I know it's all coming. And I mean, I've never heard so much vile language at me. And he's like, they stole my phone number. And he just kept, I said, Hey, they're in need of grace. I get it. But the, they're from Louisiana and these are the cards I've been dealt. And, uh, miles was laughing and he's like, yeah, at first I thought, you know, Oh my goodness, this fan base, he said, but I've learned to love them now and take up for them. That's right. rough around the edges, Hang on, but so loyal. Let's take a break. So it's, uh, it's, it's hard to find companies that, that sponsor people that really kind of share your values. And, you know, sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't. One of the, uh, sponsors that's really been good for us is a company called Good Ranchers that we mentioned several times. And uh, they deliver meat, of course, uh, steakhouse quality cuts from farms and ranches across the U.S. that come straight to your door. What we love about these guys is they're more than just, you know, making and growing good meat. I mean, they're, they're about, you know, Christianity. They're about, you know, helping our country, really helping our farmers. Uh, because so much of the grass-fed beef in stores and online is imported from overseas. So they're about trying to keep it American, but also uh, come up with a great product. So it's T-bones, it's ribeyes, it's fillets, it's mouth-watering burgers. All their beef is 100% born, raised, and harvested in the good old U.S. of A., which we like that. Uh, and so they support American farms and ranchers, and they're good guys, uh, too. And they have a Louisiana background, which we like as well. Uh, so check these guys out. Uh, we think you'll really like their product. They're good people. They're supporters of the podcast. Goodranchers.com slash Phil. That's goodranchers.com slash Phil. Or you can use the code Phil at checkout to get $20 off and free shipping and taste the difference at goodranchers.com. Yeah, so I, I thought the same thing. You know, I used to not like. Of course, we have we kind of always had a Florida issue because we Zach, our cousin, they're all big Florida fans. So it was kind of a 
easy to get into it with them. And so I didn't like Florida, especially when Tebow was there because they were so successful. But then I got to know Tebow the person, and I was oh, like, oh, my God. I was embarrassed. I actually apologized. I said, <laughs> look, I just I'm never, sorry I, I ever said pulled I, against you. No, I just I never really liked you, you know. But uh, I was like, man, my, my bad. Because <laughs> that's a good dude. He's a great dude. I mean, uh, he's, a, he's a warrior for the Lord and – extreme character and does a lot of great work. Well, you know, it's funny, Jay. So I was talking to Miles last night, and I didn't bring it up first. Somebody else did. But here's the quarterback at LSU, and I, and I was like, whoever brought it up, and I was like, you know, I just made a decision a few years ago, no offense to you, Miles, but that I wasn't going to let 18 to 22-year-old kid, kids, oh, Willie brought it up, keep dictating my mood for days. Yeah. Like, I'd be mad about a loss for days, you know, griping, stomping around, you know, throwing stuff around. I was like, I just decided, you know, that's not very mature as a grown man to let young men, exactly. you know, either their successes or failures mark your attitude. So I said, I had to do a little repentance. I mean, I said, look, I gave him. And his, I love it when the game's on. When it's over, I'm done. I gave him as much, not that I know any better or I'm really, you know, not that smart, but I gave him as much spiritual relationship as far as being famous and what you do on social media and how yeah. you react. And then you're, I was like, now, are you, you know, who are you dating? And I mean, I was getting personal because I thought, you know, I don't have. That's probably any, why God brought him down yeah, here was to I, have that I, conversation. I just don't believe in coincidences and I'm trying to do what's right. And I love the Lord. And you look at the expectations that fans and people put on young men who have a talent. It, it's, you know, it can be difficult. So I, I just, I told him, if you ever, you know, need any kind of spiritual conversation, I'm your man. Yeah. Here's my number. Because that's way more important, uh, you know, for life in general. Well, and I told him last night, Jace, you know, when he was doing that with my grandkids, I said, you know, he came back in from throwing the ball. I said, you know what's interesting, Miles? I said, you grew up hunting, right? And he said, yes, sir, I did. I said, you watched our videos, and you really thought that was cool, didn't you? All the ways we hunted, the way Dad did, and, he said, oh, I, you know, I just I love you guys so much and love the way you handle your business. I said, well, now you're watching my grandkids because you're the quarterback at LSU. That's the way they feel about you. I said, so here you are with us, and you know, which is kind of a dream of getting to be with us and hunt. I said, but they're like a minute with you. They'll be, I said, my grandson will be talking about this for weeks. He said, I understand, Mr. Al, how that's, that's the reason why me being a role, I'm a role model whether I choose to be one or not. And so I want to do it the right way. And I thought, you know, this kid's going to go a long ways, you know, yeah, thinking that way. Before we well, before we move on, Jason, I want to mention something. There was a, one of our servicemen, They just he just got back from Iraq. He sent us a, a coin, one of the coins they have in a picture, which is quite the crew, by the way, the picture he sent us. His name is Pat Samuels, and he's from Clarksville, Tennessee. And I want to give him a shout-out. First of all, just thank you for your service, Pat, and yes. also your fellow servicemen and, and women. And, uh, and I want to let you know, because you didn't send me any content information, so I'm hoping you'll hear this. But on Sunday, January 30th, I'm going to be in Clarksville, which is your hometown, uh, at the Church of Christ at Trenton Crossing. It's going to be 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. Anybody else is there, you can come hear me. I'm going to be preaching at this church. Then I'm doing an area-wide for youth at 5 to 8 that night at Clarksville Christian Church, so or Clark, Clarksville Christian School. So if there's you any youth in that area want to come be a part of that and listen, it would be great. But thank you, Pat, for sending the stuff. We got it. We love it. So in this vein, uh, now look, granted, I wrote this down. I woke up and had this thought, and this was after about four days of filming. 
our new show. I think it went pretty well, but you know, y'all know how this is. When you're being filmed, you're not real sure how this is going to come out. I mean, the the people were great, people we met. We found some interesting stuff, so stay tuned on that. But keep in mind, this was after four daylight to dark sessions. <laughs> but I read this 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 4, which we had talked about a little bit, and Paul has already said that there's a difference in basing your philosophy, your life, etc., on words of human wisdom rather than the power of Christ. He's, you know, he said that in 1 Corinthians one seventeen, but he also says it in various other places. So I had this thought, and I'll, before, I, before I do, I'll read this 2, 1 through 4. It says, or in verse 2, he said, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. So I made a category here, and I put human wisdom. This just kind of came to me. And on one side, I put God's power, and I thought, what is the difference in relying on human wisdom versus God's power. I mean, what comes to your mind? I wrote some things, but I just wanted to throw that out to y'all and see what's the first thing that you think about. It may be in the context of Corinthians or not. Just The biggest difference in human wisdom and God's power? Is that what you said? Well, just the differences, any differences. What are some illustrations? Because he says it twice. I mean, he says it in verse 17. Well, and he's referred to it numerous times in the first two chapters. Well, the first example that came to my mind, Jace, was evolution. I mean, evolution is a clear picture of human wisdom. In other words, someone observes the scientific Mm -hmm. world, and then they sit down and they think it through, and they come up with this whole theory of how we must have come from animals because of their thought process. So mm-hmm. evolution is human wisdom. And then I look over on the other side and see God's power and I see creation. I mean, I see some sort of divine hand that had to be a part of creation. So that'd be the first thing I would say. I would say when a human being gives you the impression that they can be loving, they can be joyful, They'd be full of peace, peace of mind. They're patient. They're good. They're gentle. They operate under self-control. When they begin to say, Jace, the philosophers, the so-called counselors, the ones that pontificate, they, they give you the idea that you don't need God to have these qualities, love, joy, peace, patience, mm-hmm. kindness. You can do it without God. You don't need God. So he he's going to over here in First Corinthians when he gets into thirteen, he talks about love, keep keeping no record of wrongs. Love being mm. patient and kind. Love never failed. They the human race on a big on a gigantic group of them 
say, well, we can do that without God. But if you look carefully, the proof's in the pudding. They're not doing that without God, yeah. at least from yeah. my vantage. Yep. Exactly. That's a good point. Well, I thought one thing that came to my mind, and I have to admit I got it from First Corinthians. This is kind of what started me down this road. Because when we did our podcast a couple times ago, we went over and read the James 3 when he said there's two kinds of wisdom. You know, you have the earthly wisdom basically human that's led around by bitterness, selfish ambition, and envy. And then you have the wisdom that comes from heaven, and it gives all these qualities, peace, loving, pure, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere, peacemakers. But he also said in the first chapter of James, and I think this is interesting, he says, in verse chapter 1 and verse 3, he said, Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And we know that in Corinthians, he's going to get to a maturity issue. You know, he mentions it in 1 Corinthians 2. Six, he's like, we got a, a message of wisdom among the mature. And then in chapter three, he talks about growing up. You know, I gave you milk, not solid food. And so there's a maturity issue that we're causing some of the problems. Mm -hmm. But the point I want to focus on is when you think about human wisdom versus God's power, human wisdom, no matter what we come up with, every human is always going to be lacking something at some point. They're lacking in something. And you say, well, how do you know that to be true? Well, when you, when you look at what he started off saying in verse, 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 7 and 8, it says, Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless. And it's the same principle. And so I thought, where's a verse that just epitomizes what what Jesus has done for us and, and the power of his spirit so that we feel like we don't lack anything. You know, I mean, a few verses popped in my head that one says he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure where that's at. But I hit on this 1 Timothy 1 because I think this really is a good analogy of the difference in basing your existence on human wisdom or God's power. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me the worst of sinners, and this is the phrase I was kind of looking for, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, which not only does he have unlimited patience, but he's eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, the only glory forever. Amen. That's what I thought. We're, we lack in patience. We lack in perseverance. We lack in a lot of things. But Paul, he looked at, 
the power of what Jesus did on a cross, and he's like, it displays a quality that human wisdom can never come up with, which would be unlimited patience. Yeah, it's like a, you can't even gra- hang on, Jason, grasp. Hang on, Jason. Take a break. So the three-week rule may be the best financial advice ever. Jace, do you know about the three-week rule? Please tell me. Wait three weeks to buy a new car. Wait three weeks to finance your or refinance your home mortgage. And wait three weeks to finance any major purchase. I've never heard that before in my life. It's pretty good. Uh, because basically, for one thing is, it helps you make sure you're making a wise decision. But the other thing is, it allows you to raise up your credit score which could be very important when you go to one of our sponsors, ScoreMaster, uh, scoremaster.com. And so check these guys out. They can uh, boost your credit score an average of 61 points, uh, which saves you already tens of thousands of dollars just because you're going to get a better interest rate. Uh, So go to scoremaster.com. It's easy. It takes about a minute to get started. You don't have to wait for months, three weeks, and you're good to go. So check these guys out, scoremaster.com slash fill. That's scoremaster.com slash fill and let these guys save you some money. Yeah, I was just saying, it's hard for us when you think of God's mercy and grace in an unlimited way. It's just hard for your wisdom as a human to wrap your head around that. But you know what's funny, Jace, is that's that's so good. I hadn't thought about that first Timothy passage, but... You know, he does in that First uh, Corinthians 2, 1 through 4, he does the same thing to the Corinthians. He points to himself. He said, mm-hmm. I didn't come here with eloquence and wisdom. I came in fear and trembling. And the only reason I'm here is because I have the power of God's testimony, meaning what God did in his life on that road to Damascus. So to your point, what I love about Paul is, because I looked at passages and thought, well, I don't know. You know, Paul seemed pretty eloquent you know, in a lot of different writings and some of his speeches. and But he just looked at himself compared to Christ and said, he, and what he said was, you know, when I walk away from that encounter, I am in fear and trembling and yeah. in weakness. That's how he viewed himself yeah. compared to Christ. So well, that's that same point. It's, it's very powerful. When you lack, when you lack nothing, because... <laughs> well, that's why, that's why this hit me like a ton of bricks. That's why he said, I didn't come to you with any kind of skill set. Right. I came to you with a, with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Yeah. Well, well, guess part. what part of human wisdom was that? Was he referring to there? None. That's right. <laughs> Which, if you look at it, human wisdom cannot have the vehicle, the person, whatever, to give one faith, hope, and love. A person without God, no matter how hard he tries, there's no hope in it because he just looks until he passes away, then he's gone forever. He just molecules that that just died and he's gone forever. There's no immortality to it. Well, you take that out of the equation, and then as far as spiritual wisdom, you take that out of the equation. It's a it's a, it's a tough tough thing for a human being to to function. Yeah. Well, well, even think about faith. Can you really have faith in someone else? Because they're going to let you down at some point. Like if you put faith in people, ultimately they're going to let you down. I mean, so even faith won't work. And he covers that. 
And when he gets to Second Corinthians over here, which we'll finally come to, God made him. This settles the argument once for all. Who had no sin? Just think of a mistake-free, mistake-free person when he comes to visit planet Earth who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Human wisdom would never have said something like that, ever. There's a person yeah. that you can put your trust and faith in because he wrote the code came down and kept it, then died to get us out from under it. I mean, what a, what a, what an event! Right. I mean, it's it's amazing. Which is another difference between human wisdom and godly powers. No one is ever truly trustworthy, but on the God side, someone is trustworthy. Exactly. Yeah. Which you're. This is kind of where I went with this because you know it kind of led me to the next one, which is obvious. Usually, people say, "Well, human wisdom." has no answer for death. It, right. There's just... That's right. That You can sit around in a room and talk till you die, but you're not going to figure out... But you're going to die. You're going to die. <laughs> At the end of that conversation, <laughs> you're going to die. And so, you know, God's power, obviously, the, all the verses that says, you know, He is life. But the next one that I wrote down, these were just thoughts. So it was from lacking to God's unlimited qualities, uh, death to life, Human wisdom, there's a lot of good promise makers, but God's power, through his power, he's a promise keeper every time. And when you think about where I was going with that is, we'll get to this, but in 1 Corinthians 4, when he said, when I come to you in verse 19, if the Lord is willing, then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have, because people were some of the more immature members of the faith, they were being tossed about just by human wisdom and jargon. And so he makes this statement, which is goes into what we're talking about with the difference in human wisdom and, and God's power. But he says that for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And so that's, that's what made me think that most people who try to convince you of something or try to get you involved in something or give you some hope, we do it by talking. Yep. I mean, how many con men exist on our planet? Millions. Or, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean just, yeah, 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 yeah. Plus, yeah. we have the luxury of having a person who lived on the earth for 33 years, died for our sins, and was raised from the dead. I, I write this to you so you won't sin. If you sin, we make him out to be a liar. Uh, if, 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 if you say you don't. So, but if you do confess your sins, we, if anybody does sin, we have one, this is what human wisdom can't give you. We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Mm-hmm. Well, human wisdom does not have an eternal being speaking to God the Father, he being God in the flesh, raised from the dead, and now he's out in heaven, still in the human body, but he's still God in flesh, and he's talking to God on our behalf because we're in him. 
Well, you just yeah. think about it now. You don't want to talk about power. <laughs> you got someone that's like a the the ever defense attorney, cosmic the, attorney. That's what oh. you call it. Boy. Well, it would be hey, a good. Hang on, Jess. Let's take a little break. So, what are y'all hoping for for Valentine's Day? If you started a little list, or maybe I mean, left some notes I around for your wives. No, I, I'm I not, usually I've not even thought about it. I usually <laughs> do not divulge my Valentine Valentine Day <laughs> activities in public. Well, one of the things that I'm hoping for is some Tommy John's loungewear, and so I've told my wife that's what I want. And we know Tommy John for their underwear. And we've been on record to say many times the best underwear we've ever worn. Is that not true? And we mm -hmm. all agree with that statement. So what about Tommy John loungewear, Jess? You're a lounger. Well, Al, you put it in the context of Valentine's Day. So, you know, the, <laughs> the loungewear is optional. But I follow where you're going along with this. The more lounging we are, the better mood we're in when they come home, Jess. That's all I'm saying. Uh, here's the deal. Tommy John, great product. Uh, they have what they call the best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free. Uh, so they're saying they know they have a good product, so it's no risk. You get 20% off your first order right now. Go to TommyJohn.com slash Phil. And by the way, you can buy stuff for your bride as well because they have stuff for the for the ladies. TommyJohn.com slash Phil, 20% off. See site for details. That was first John. Someone too. says, and he's never lost a case. That's right. A never. defense attorney. Never. It would be a good question when someone is talking a lot or trying to convince you of something to say, how do you have the power to pull this off? Because to use a good il illustration in Romans 4, you remember the story of Abraham and Sarah in verse 18. Now, human wisdom, when an angel came and said, you're going to have a baby and you're, what, 90 and 100, you know, Sarah laughs because human wisdom says, yeah. says, ha, 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 I bet. Yeah. So he uses his illustration. So because he says your offspring, you know, are going to be unlimited. In verse 19, it says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Because that's that's the science and the facts that we base human wisdom on. And that's yep. where we get human wisdom. Yep. But then it says, uh, and and Sarah, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sabre's, Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded. And this is our application in this light: that God had power to do what he had promised. So it's one thing when you mentioned the trustworthy, because I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to get to that. It's one thing for you to give your word. That That's something we, as humans, we get wisdom in, in a lot of places in our, where we go, especially in the South. When somebody gives, gives you their word, we, we, we think that's as good as, as it can get. But we all know there's a lot of people that's given us their word just to get out of sight <laughs> and then did the exact opposite. Right. But it's, so it's one thing to always be right, which God is, he's righteous. And so, but when he says something, 
having the power to prove that what he said will happen or did happen is way beyond anything you're ever going to be able to come up with as a human. You're never going to put all those pieces and plans together where you're 100% right every time. But see, that's a good point, though, Jason. I offshoot off of that concept that I never thought about is that human wisdom only can be based on experience or precedent. In other words, if it's never happened before, we can't figure out what we're going to try to do in the future. (laughs) Whereas when it comes to godly wisdom, he can just say something's going to be, and it's going to be. But human beings, we, we don't, we're fall short. We can't, you know, we, we mm. see all the people we've talked about this before. Every movie, everything is based off of some experience or precedent. That's what establishes everything going forward. So that's another limitation of human wisdom. Yeah, exactly. Another one I came up with was in first Corinthians five. And I thought about, you know, we put a lot of wisdom on where we're at and who we meet with you know, our, our presence. And, and really to tell you the truth, to be honest, if we're not there, we usually don't, don't give, you know, give a rip about it. I mean, we're like, if I'm at something, then it's important to me. If I'm not, I don't care. (laughs) And I thought about it in churches, you know, I, I just cringe a lot of times in this church. I heard it Sunday from the preachers. Like, we're so glad. I mean, they were just getting ready to go and said, so glad you're here to meet the Lord. And I thought, are you saying that I drove here to meet him? Because <laughs> I could have met him before I left. Where is so, he? Is yeah, there a room somewhere? Well, yeah, I, I thought somewhere? I had the Holy Spirit. There were a lot of things, because then I thought, I mean, I hate to just beat the band up before we've gotten into the service, but I thought if everybody's thinking our presence is a condition for us to have this meeting, you know, I I just don't like, I just didn't like how I felt about that. Which, by the way, that's back to what we've been talking about on this podcast for now three years. That's a temple mentality. We go to experience the Holy of Holies the once a year for them. So the and once a week for us. So the idea is to get that into that presence of God. We've got well, to find I that. I think temple. they get it from verses like First Corinthians five four. Now he's talking about something else that we'll get into when we get to First Corinthians five. But I do think this is an interesting verse. He says, "When you're assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus, and I am with you in spirit." And Paul said that, but he adds this. And the power of our Lord Jesus is present. So I do just think acknowledging that God is present instead of we're present, because a lot of times we get that backwards. You know, we're, we're, we're just thinking it's all about me. I'm here. Do something for me, preacher. But when you think, oh, God is present, it, it has a different feel. However... I'm going back to John, and he had just explained that when Jesus said, "I'm when I leave, and we studied this when we went through John, he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And th- this verse is very plain. He said, when I leave, verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. Uh, well, I mean, let me yeah, pick up 14. in 17. Yeah, 14, 17. The world cannot accept him. Talking about the Spirit, the Counselor. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. Well, here's the, let's listen to this verse. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. 
So what, whatever happened to me having to drive across the bridge and go into a building to meet the Lord is, is with me and in me. And then he says, I will not leave you as orphans. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. Well, he goes on to say about, well, how is this? And this goes into uh, some of the other principles we talk about, trusting what he says, because he said, whoever lo- whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me because you're trusting him. You know, he's always right. So you develop a relationship. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, <laughs> Well, Lord, when do you intend to show yourself to us and to the world? Because Jesus has said, I will show myself to him, which all he's revealing is the Father, the qualities of the Father, all righteous, all loving, full of grace, unlimited patience, all the qualities that, that we've mentioned before. So then he comes to this. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Well, that's almost completely backwards in the thinking of we're going to go to a building to meet God once a week. When he's saying, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. My spirit will be in you. And if you trust me and love me enough to do what we're telling you, Mm -hmm. we will move in and set up our home with you. We'll live with you. I just think that's way beyond what what we're teaching and thinking on human wisdom. It's a much bigger thought. Let's take our last break. So the next one is about the body. The human wisdom, you say, what do you do with your body? Phil's made this famous, but like, because during duck, duck season, he'll say, this is why I, I, that popped in my head. Phil said, we'll eat, we'll sleep, we'll wake up, we'll duck hunt, then we'll eat, sleep, it, and it just goes on. And repeat. <laughs> and repeat. This, this, this is what we do. And I, th- I thought about that. What do people do about their body? You know, some people obviously don't care. And what happens? They don't live long. They Their life expectancy lowers because they don't care what happens to their body. I mean, if you live around and do not have, make wise decisions, if you don't have some human wisdom, you don't live long. Would you agree with that? That's exactly right. <laughs> but so what do we do? Human wisdom typically means life is short. We, <laughs> if, you are, t- if you totally go by human wisdom, life is short. <laughs> exactly. So what do we do? I put it down. What we, we talk about what we eat. That's a big thing. Yep. Uh, or don't eat if we're don't dieting. Eat. And we sleep, you know, if you don't, you're not getting enough sleep. Or sometimes there's there's an occasional, you need some medicine or something to help your body. Uh, we have the whole working out thing. We even have physical trainers, body trainers. You know, do this with your body, this area. We name parts of our body. Crossfit, this fit, that fit. Then it's about the sex, you know, who we have sex with. That's an important thing that we do with our body. Yep. So when you, and I couldn't really think of anything else, just as far as our physical bodies and how that relates to human wisdom. But there's... Maybe illness. Ten, well, I thought about medicine and how you, you know, combat that. But there's tens of thousands of books about the body. There's wisdom for humans out there. And I just think that in in light of what 
I'm discussing here, and I got all these things out of First Corinthians that we'll get to them. In chapter 6, he makes this statement in verse 12, which is exactly what I just went through. Everything is permissible permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. You're like, uh uh-oh. Well, why? Because the body, no matter what you do to it, your famous line, Phil, it's, it's going into the ground, either healthy or unhealthy, but it you're going to die, either a physical specimen or in rough shape. That's it. But no matter what, accident, even things out of your control. So then he says this, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, which he's going to make a point later that all other sins a man commits are outside his body. That's why I brought up, that's, a, that's something that affects your body, who you're having sex with and how often. And so then it says, but for the Lord. But here's the part I wanted to uh, point out. The body's not meant for sex and morality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. I had never noticed that phrase before. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times in sermons you hear, hey, don't be going out there. Give yourself to the Lord. But he says, and the Lord for the body. And you say, well, what did he mean by that? Because by his power, we're back to the difference in human wisdom and God's power. God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? And so you see where I went with this at every turn. When you, if you go to the worldly wisdom and go to a bunch of classes on how to take care of the body, you're not going to read this verse. No. They're going to give you some tips. Yep. And they're, but God is looking at it from give a bigger. Give you some kind of regimen as far as food's yeah. concerned. And he's all for you taking care of your body and giving it to the Lord. But he's also saying, I got that taken care of too. It's called the power of God. I'm going to take that body and we'll get to that First Corinthians 15. And we're going to make some improvements. Which, by the way, would be go back to the earlier part of that when you said, I, he said, I don't want to be mastered by anything. If you put complete allegiance and trust into how physically fit you are, you've been mastered by that. I mean, like Jay said, I mean, we're supposed to take care of ourselves. This is a gift from God. But you don't ever want that to be over him. That's right. Which is what happens a lot of times. With people because like, that would be ba- basing it on human wisdom rather than God's power. Because human wisdom says, if you eat perfectly, if you figure out a way to eat perfectly and you work out perfectly, then you'll be the perfect person. says, I got it made. And but, guess what? None of them ever say, it, say to you, you can live forever if you'll treat your body right. Because I, I don't say it, but I think in their mind, they think, yeah, I've arrived. And I'll, it's caused a delusion. I'll, I'll, I'll live to be 130, yeah. 140. I think, That's why I, I said I we, we these, base this on God's. There's a lot of books being written right now that said, you know, by 2050, we'll live, you know, forever. Right. Yeah, we'll live, we, we will live hundreds of years. Just replace the parts. But you know what the, you know the one uh, threat to that is? Time. 
That's it. You know, well, that's a, a perfect point. example look. is that look at a young Hollywood star. They got it all. They're naturally attractive. They're eating the right foods. They're working out. They look great. They're out in front of the cameras. But time, time and pressure, yeah. follow them a few years. Which is a power that God <laughs> controls. Well, that's my point. Now, I, took, I showed you all these things about humans are lacking. They make promises they can't keep. They put way too much emphasis on their presence at anything. You know, I'm here. Uh, they focus on the body and all, all the things you can do. And even in death, you know, we, uh, that I just mentioned, cause I thought that was obvious. Human wisdom does come up with ways to move on. Cause they'll, you think about what happens in, at funerals or when you die, there'll be more good things said about you at that moment than any other time. True or untrue. (laughs) Oh, that's, so if you're waiting for all that, you got to die for you hit first, but then they will find stuff that you didn't even know existed. Or they'll say they passed on or they're in the next life or it's, they've been freed or whatever. But these are all things that, that the human mind comes up with so we can all not think about our impending death. Right. Because deep down, what does that human wisdom point to? Wasn't me. Glad it wasn't me. You That's know? right. So, but there are a lot of good things about human wisdom. There are we've we've done a lot of great things. So the bottom line is the reason I think the Lord kind of revealed that through what he wrote in first Corinthians is because I got to thinking about first Corinthians one twenty, and that, that was my list. But the bottom line is you say, why, why is this, why are these two get categories and which way should I lean toward? First Corinthians one twenty five says the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. And the bottom line is, he's just stronger. He's more powerful. He has greater qualities than any human on the planet or all of us together combined putting our heads together. He's just, he has better qualities that are stronger, whether it's he's eternal, he's immortal, he has unlimited patience, he has grace, he, whatever quality you want to insert, the bottom line is that's, that's why we surrender. The greatest we have is not as good as the least he would offer ever. That's it. So it's good stuff, Jay. So I think people tend to hide, but think, you know, hide and say, I'm not good enough. I don't talk well enough. I don't. That's why Paul's repeating all this stuff. We're fearful. I was trembling. I'm weak. I'm not a good speaker. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. All these things, God says, you need to rely on my power, not your wisdom or whatever your friends told you. Because they're humans too. Yeah. And so I think you see that even in this chapter two. I know we're going to quit, but watch what he did. He used the same form- formula. He said, I proclaim to you the testimony about God. There's the Father. And what was the testimony? That Je- Jesus Christ is the only thing he wanted to know in him crucified. And how was he going to do it? A demonstration of the Spirit's power. You see the Trinity at work in a real personal way in Paul's life. And I think that that's our message to us. I like it. We'll dive a little more deeper into that, this idea of the spirit of God next time.
Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.